Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So last uh, Sunday, Pastor Beck preached on the first 13 uh, verses of Mark chapter 7. And as he did, he faithfully pointed out that the traditions of man must come underneath, right, the Word of God. And in doing so, he was opening his uh, uh, sermon with a story about a rainy day in June and playing some retro video games with his son. And, and while I thought that the illustration uh, did a wonderful job of, of pointing how we hold to our own traditions sometimes, I was, not, I was not expecting to experience the weight of the law that I found myself doing last Sunday. And, and it's it centered around the mention of the game Castlevania. When Pastor Beck started talking about Castlevania, I was instantly, uh, it instantly brought up memories of my past, and, and I was cut to the heart. And here's why. In my early years, I played my fair share of video games. Uh, in our unfinished basement in Wisconsin, my brother and I had this kind of makeshift altar to the false god of Nintendo. Um, it, it, it sat there next to the bulky color TV that uh, was sitting on top of an old table. And, and on this old table, there were libations of Coca-Cola and the ceremonial Doritos that were consumed uh, between the pauses of the game. And I would worship there for hours, completely engrossed and immersed in whatever game that I was playing at the time. But, but when it came to the game Castlevania... Things got serious. I could beat just about any other game that we had in our collection, but not Castlevania. It required my complete focus and my undivided attention. There were times where I felt good about my so-called progress in the game that I would call for my younger brother to come and, and witness my impending sweet victory and celebrate with me the great achievement of of defeating some digital foe. And he would come down and he'd sit and he'd watch intently, but, but I tell you, he was rarely able to witness any sweet victory because the digital foe would win and I would be provoked to extreme anger. Quiet! I would snap at my little brother as he would say, look out, or he'd offer some suggestion on how to defeat the digital foe. I'd accuse him of making me die. Well, of course, it wasn't really me. It was just a little 8-bit figure that was going across the screen. But the way that I would react, it'd make you feel like someone near and dear to me actually did. I would throw my controller in anger, and then more often than not, I'd take a big swing at my brother. So the memory of Castlevania last Saturday or Sunday was, was like someone holding up a mirror to my face and saying, look what you are and look what you've done. I was cut to the quick and I was reminded in that instant that I have broken the fifth commandment over and over and over again, not to mention the first commandment. 
the weight of the law came heavy upon me, and I was sorry once again for the way that I've treated my brother and acted in anger and frustration. And what more could I say in that time but create in me a clean heart, O Lord? A clean heart, a pure heart, an undefiled heart. That's what is needed. Today, in the next uh, verses, we have a continuation from last week when Jesus was speaking first with the Pharisees and the scribes. When he first spoke with those who came down from Jerusalem about about the traditions that they were holding above God's word, it it was ultimately a heart issue that he was talking about. When he accused them of putting aside the word of God for the traditions of men, he was diagnosing a heart problem. When he called out their, their duplicity and their inconsistency when it came to keeping the spirit of the law of Moses, he was holding a mirror to their face so that they would see themselves rightly. When he said to them, you can't dedicate things to the Lord in place of caring for your aging parents, he was addressing the things that were coming out of their defiled hearts. For it's out of unclean hearts that come the attempt to pit God's law against itself, in this instance, the fourth commandment against the first. And in doing so, these Pharisees and scribes revealed the heart of the issue. For in choosing their traditions over God's word, they were demonstrating the defilement of their hearts. Created me a clean heart, O Lord. When Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, he is calling them to repent. He is calling them to check their traditions against God's word and to let God's word be that which shapes, informs, rules, and norms us and all of creation. Jesus is holding up the word of God to be a clear mirror to them that shows them for who they are. God's law alone reveals the problem of our heart. Now, the reader of the text, that's you and I, we're left with the impression that these Pharisees and scribes as a whole do not submit to God's gracious will expressed in the commandments and in the scriptures and instead hold on to their own traditions. They reject the image reflected in the law that shows them to have an unclean heart. And so then they continue a life of unrepentant sin and false trust in their own ability to live a ritualistically pure life. It seems as if they do not want a clean heart. They believe that their heart is already pure. And so Jesus focuses his attention on the others who are gathered. He turns his focus on the people and he says, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside of a person by going into him that can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. What's he talking about? You might remember that in addition to traditions like ceremonial washing, well, the Jews observed special dietary restrictions. If you ate certain foods like shellfish or pig, you would be ceremonially unclean. 
Now, that meant two things. First, it meant that you could not draw near to God and worship Him in the temple. That's to say, your relationship with God was affected by what you did or what you did not eat. And second, it meant that you were separated from worshiping with God's people. That's to say, your relationship with others was affected by what you did or what you did not eat. And so now your relationship with God, your relationship with others, was at stake when you considered eating that bacon-wrapped pork chop. Why on earth did that matter? Why did God have these restrictions about certain types of food in the first place? Well, it might have been for, uh, for their own good and health, but also because God set the Israelites apart from the other nations. And the other nations may have used these types of animals in their worship of false gods. So when the pagans sacrificed their pigs upon the altar, invited the community to come together and worship and take part in this giant pig roast, well, the Israelites would remain separated. They wouldn't participate because the Israelites were set apart by the Lord to worship Him alone and not to engage in the worshiping communities of the pagans in their meals. So to eat foods these unclean foods that were sacrificed to animals or sacrificed uh, to, to, to idols would defile them because in doing so, they would be participating in worshiping false gods. But here Jesus is saying something new. He says, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart but his stomach, and then is expelled. And there's this parenthetical note, thus declaring all foods clean to the great rejoicing of those who like to eat bacon. And he said, what comes out of a person, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. And this list is not exclusive. But sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. They make them unclean. See, it's a heart issue. Jesus says, out of the heart comes all that defiles a person. Out of the heart comes all that is against God's good will and intent. Out of the heart comes, comes that which separates us from God and separates us from one another. The heart is the problem. It is unclean. It is by nature defiled. For mankind has a congenital and fatal heart condition known as sin. And sin cannot be dealt with by ceremonial washing or with foods that you do or that you do not eat. For washing hands and eating food does not change what the heart produces because it cannot change the literal heart of the matter. It must be dealt with by God. Create in me a clean heart. O oh Lord. That's our cry. 
And let me tell you how Jesus answers that cry. Let me tell you about how God deals with our heart issue. It's the best news that you'll hear hear all week because it's about Jesus. Specifically about how Jesus has a heart for you. Out of the abundance of his pure love for you, he took up our flesh. And in the flesh of mankind, Jesus, the beloved Son of God, took up all of your sin, all that defiles you, all that makes you unclean, your anger, your false worship. He took it all upon himself in the waters of his own baptism. And he carried it with him to the cross to put it to death. All that Jesus ever said or did That came out of a pure heart. His love was never tainted by sin. Even when he was speaking to those hard heart Pharisees and scribes, it was out of love for them. Though they conspired to have him executed for blasphemy, Jesus loved them. He didn't break the fifth commandment and send his angel armies to strike them down. Instead, he called out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not only for Pharisees and scribes, but for you and for me as well. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, is our cry. And Jesus is the answer. For only God can do this work of cleansing. Now you and I, we can't clean our hearts by ceremonial washing or eating or drinking certain foods. But look, the Lord is able to take certain things and use them for our benefit. At the cross, blood and water flowed from his side. And from there it flows to the font and to the chalice. And here we find it's no ordinary water or food that can cleanse our heart, but the body and the blood of Jesus can. The the water of holy baptism, it's not some ceremonial washing. No, it's water with God's word that works a washing deeper than cleansing stain on 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 the skin. For there you are joined to Christ's death and resurrection. There Jesus creates in you a new heart. And oh, that new heart longs for the Lord. And yet even still after baptism, we live in the flesh that's still afflicted by sin and still tempted by the devil. The new heart, it desires to keep the commandments of the Lord, but so often the heart is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we cry out once again, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, I I wish that I could stand before you today and say that playing Castlevania so many years ago was the only time, or the last time, that I was angry or frustrated or wanted to punch someone. But look, that wouldn't be honest or true. And so I cry out, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. I have to confess that I break the commandments of the Lord. I have to stand with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and say, I am by nature sinful and unclean. My heart 
is the problem. I have sinned against the Lord in thought, word, and deed. By what I've done, by what I've left undone. I haven't loved God with my whole heart. I haven't loved my neighbors as myself. I have a heart problem. I join you in pleading for God's mercy as together we cry out, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And gathered here every Sunday, we hear the good news of God's cleansing again. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, we are revived in our hearts to live a new life. And again, Jesus answers our plea for mercy in the meal of this altar. Jesus says, my flesh is true food from heaven. Whoever eats of my flesh has life. Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood of the bread and the wine. Take this food, eat it, drink it. For I have come to dwell within you, not simply to fill your belly, but to clean your heart. This meal of Christ's body and blood is a meal of salvation, a meal of forgiveness, a meal of life, and it is the only meal in all of creation that we may physically eat that brings a benefit of cleansing to our hearts. Because in this meal alone, Jesus makes his presence with us. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord has answered our call for mercy. He has and he does create in you clean and undefiled hearts. He has joined himself to you in the blessed washing of holy baptism. He continues to hold his word before you as a mirror that you might confess your sin and desire to walk in his ways to the glory of his name. And he continues to treat your heart with the medicine of the gospel as he feeds you with his very presence. This is the work that he has started in baptism. This is the work that he continues to do as we gather in this place. And it is the work that he will continue and will bring to completion. As the Apostle Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in faith to him. Amen.